Oh, wow. Wow. Will Smith just smacked the out of me. Yeah. Yeah, he did. That was weird, wasn't it? Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles. This is the broadcast as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in LA, 98.7 in Santa Barbara, 93.7 in San Diego, 99.5 in Ridgecrest and China Lake. Also in California, in Red Bluff and Redding on KFOI, Round Mountains KKRN and Eureka's KGOE. Up in Oregon on the Central Coast on KYAQ, Cottage Grove's KSO and Eugene's KEPW. In Lancaster, Pennsylvania on WLRI, Maui, Hawaii's KAKU, Columbus, Ohio's WGRN, Palinville, New York's WLPP, Rochester, New York's WRFZ, down in New Orleans on WHIV, out in Gallup, New Mexico on KNIZ, Concord, New Hampshire's WMHN, Fayetteville, Arkansas's KPSQ in Seattle on KODX, Janesville, Wisconsin's WADR, and Minneapolis-St. Paul's AM950 KTNF, amongst other fine terrestrial affiliates. We also stream coast-to-coast and around the globe every day on the internets on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Radio for Humans, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, Workforce Rising, No Lies Radio, Verdant Square Radio, and Detour Talk, Blanketing Planet Earth five days a week. I'm Brad Friedman. Your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow says me from bradblog.com. Thank you very much for joining us. Today's show uh, took a turn very late last night, at least for me, for reasons that that I did not expect. And as I was up till, oh, I don't know, about 4 a.m. last night this morning uh, trying to figure it all out, uh, pardon me if I'm uh, not as sharp as I Well, I'm not usually all that sharp anyway. Uh, So I don't know about you, but I am actually still reeling from that stunning moment on Sunday night at the Oscars, which I think has, frankly, shocked the conscience of the nation. I cannot believe that Coda defeated Power of the Dog for Best Picture. (laughs) Oh, really? I'm stunned. I don't know what to make of it today. Actually, I've seen neither of those movies. Uh, From what I could tell, Coda was a a feel-good film and the first to win Best uh, Picture, primarily dominated by deaf actors and about deaf characters. And Power of the Dog, I know even less about that, but I think it has something to do with Benedict Cumberbatch uh, conjuring up a spell that brings in a whole bunch of dogs from different multiverses or something. Is that, am I? <laughs> no, that's so, not it. That's not it? That's not it. Well, we'll work out that later uh, because, you know, there is a lot going on today, including quite a bit of noteworthy breaking news on several stories that we have been covering very closely on this program. Hi, Desi Doyen. I didn't say hi. I just talked to you as if, you know. I know. As everybody knows who I am. Just hi. just an appendage. Yes, yeah. I'm here. Uh, Anyway, we will um, 
talk about some of these breaking news uh, stories in a moment. Uh, and, and I don't know for certain, but I think even with all of that that is going on, folks may still want to talk through what actually, in fact, did overshadow everything at Sunday night's Oscars, the slap heard round the world when America's uh, darling, Will Smith, slapped another American darling, really, uh, Chris Rock, over a joke that Rock told about Will Smith's wife. Yes, it was not a great joke, arguably a fairly lousy joke, arguably an offensive joke, if uh, at least if one knows the full background. But at least in my opinion, um, it provided zero excuse for what happened thereafter. You may feel completely different. And uh, though I had spent no small portion of the weekend sort of working on coverage for today's show on something completely different, I have a feeling I'm going to be pushing that off till tomorrow's show and or beyond. Uh, If you want to call in and ring in with your thoughts on the Will Smith, Chris Rock situation, uh, because I don't know. It sure feels like America may need to talk this one through. My phone number will be 818-985-5735, 818-985-KPFK. As you know, if you've listened to the broadcast, we are not generally a pop culture show by any stretch of the imagination, even if on some days I kind of wish we were. But uh, but this one, and, and I can't tell you for certain why I feel this way, and uh, maybe, yeah, I, maybe I need to talk this one out, too. Uh, it seems like a bigger deal in several respects than a mere slap in the face uh, for us, uh, e- even if I'm still not certain as to why. You might know why. I might be wrong. But, uh, you know, I don't know why uh, I feel this way for certain, um, why I feel so troubled by what happened, why it kept me up until 4 a.m., but maybe you can call and tell me why I, uh, I feel that way. 818-985-KPFK. We will get to your calls in a bit if you want to talk about this. Otherwise, I'm sure i got plenty of other stuff I can get to. Desi always has something she's <laughs> on about. Oh, yes. The energy and environment world never stops. Uh, some breaking, uh, breaking news, however, uh, to hold us uh, over very quickly uh, to begin the, the week. And again, all of these stories we'll be talking about more in the days ahead uh, this week and next week and uh, beyond, I suspect, with, uh, in more detail with expert guests, etc., as we do. But let me start here quickly with what very well could be the most satisfying news of the week to sort of help us get started Uh, A federal judge on Monday ruled that former President Donald Trump and a lawyer who advised him on how to overturn the 2020 election most likely committed federal felonies, including obstructing the work of Congress and conspiring to defraud the United States. The New York Times reports the judge's comments marked a significant breakthrough for the House committee investigating the January 6th attack on the Capitol, which had uh, laid out in a civil filing the crimes that it believed Mr. Trump might have committed as it weighs making a criminal referral to the Department of Justice. I would suggest the judge's comments here mark a significant breakthrough for a traumatized nation and for a broken legal system that, frankly, could have and should have declared exactly this A very long time ago, which, just to be clear, is the real slap in the face that has traumatized America over the past several years, if you ask my opinion. 
Based on the evidence, the court finds it more likely than not that President Trump corruptly attempted to obstruct the joint session of Congress on January 6, 2021, said Judge David Carter of the Central District of California in his Monday ruling. The illegality of the plan was obvious, he said. Our nation was founded on the peaceful transition of power, epitomized by George Washington laying down his sword to make way for democratic elections. Ignoring this history, President Trump vigorously campaigned for the vice president to single-handedly determine the results of the 2020 election, wrote the judge, which is just not how our system works. He continued, every American and certainly the president of the United States knows that in a democracy, leaders are elected, not installed. He continued in what CNN described as an unusually bold statement, wishing for accountability so that history does not repeat itself. Thank you, Judge. If the country does not commit to investigating and pursuing accountability for those responsible, the court fears January 6th will repeat itself, the judge wrote. Thank you, Your Honor. Now, it should not take a federal judge to say that, but I'm glad that he did nonetheless. The Justice Department has been conducting a wide-ranging investigation of the Capitol assault, but has given no public indication, as the Times sees it, Times sees it, that it is considering pursuing a criminal case against Donald Trump. Now, as you know, if you're a regular broadcast listener, our fairly frequent guest on the program, independent investigative journalist Marcy Wheeler, of Empty Wheel, who has been following the actual cases and motions filed by the DOJ closer than perhaps any journalist in the nation, uh, she believes otherwise. She believes that, in fact, the DOJ is working their way up toward Mr. Trump. A criminal referral from the House committee, the Times adds, could increase pressure on Attorney General Merrick Garland to do so, to launch his own investigation if, in fact, uh, he is not. Um, In fact, nobody uh, among the public anyway seems to know one way or uh, one way or the other for certain. Judge Carter's comments come in an order for John Eastman, a far right and seemingly wildly corrupt lawyer, who wrote a memo that uh, members of both parties have likened to a blueprint for a coup to turn over Uh, He's ordered now to turn over more than 100 emails to the committee that he's been withholding as the committee investigates Trump's efforts to hold on to power after his election loss to Joe Biden in 2020. Many of the documents the committee will now receive relate to a legal strategy that was proposed by Eastman to pressure Vice President Mike Pence not to certify electors from several key swing states when Congress convened on January 6th. Eastman had filed suit against the panel trying to persuade a judge to block the committee's subpoena for documents in his possession. As part of the suit, Eastman sought to shield uh, from release these documents, claiming that they were covered by attorney-client privilege with the, at the time, Donald Trump. In response, the House committee uh, committee argued under the legal theory known as the crime fraud exception to the attorney client privilege that the privilege does not cover information conveyed from a client to a lawyer if it was part of furthering or concealing a crime. 
The panel said its investigators had accumulated evidence demonstrating that Trump, Eastman and other allies could potentially be charged with criminal violations, including obstructing an official proceeding of Congress and conspiring to defraud the American people. Nominated by President Bill Clinton, Judge Carter agreed, writing that he believed it was, quote, likely that the men not only conspired to defraud the U.S., but, quote, dishonestly conspired to obstruct the joint session of Congress on January 6. President Trump and Dr. Eastman justified the plan with allegations of election fraud, but, he wrote, President Trump likely knew the justification was baseless And therefore, the entire plan was unlawful. And that is critical, given that one of the problems the prosecutors have cited in bringing uh, charges against a host of crimes uh, obviously carried out by uh, Donald Trump, both before and uh, during and after his presidency, seems to be based on this uh, idea that it would be difficult to prove that Donald Trump actually knew he was breaking the law when he broke the law. Yeah, because the idea being that, hey, I was just relying upon the opinions of my experts who told me this stuff. So, you know, you can't make me the bad guy here. I didn't know better. Exactly. That's the claim. Who He didn't know he was breaking the law. He's just a he's just a businessman. He has no idea what the law is. Never mind. He was you know president for year after year, had the uh, finest, in theory, legal advice available to him in the in the world. In any event, that was one of the reasons that the new uh, Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg uh, reportedly um, has has decided now, at least so far, to not charge Trump with uh, felonies, including bank insurance and tax fraud in New York. Uh, in this case, uh, regarding Trump's attempt to steal the election with a political scheme dis- disguised as a, as a legal one on January 6th, when Congress was set to formalize Joe Biden's Electoral College victory. Uh, Well, at least according to this judge, that theory is not likely to fly, Um, according to a federal judge, for the very first time uh, today in California. By the way, uh, our listeners in New York, I suspect, are none too happy with the new Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg. I cannot even imagine he is going to uh, be able to win re-election when he comes back up, I guess, in four years uh, after the prosecutors on the case career prosecutors who worked on this case for years both resigned within the past week or two after being just stunned by the fact that Bragg decided to not prosecute Trump. Dr. Eastman and President Trump launched a campaign to overturn a Democratic election, wrote the uh, the judge here in the California case, an action unprecedented in American history, he said. Their campaign was not confined to the ivory tower. It was a coup in search of a legal theory. The plan spurred violent attacks on the seat of our nation, uh, on the seat of our nation's government, led to the deaths of several law enforcement officers and deepened public distrust in our political process. Now, I should note Trump has not been charged to date with any crime, nor has Eastman. Uh, the, the, uh, the judge went on to say more than a year after the attack on our Capitol, the public is still searching for accountability. This case cannot provide it. The court in this case is tasked only with deciding a dispute over a handful of emails 
This is not a criminal prosecution, writes Judge Carter. This is not even a civil liability suit. At most, this case is a warning about the dangers of, quote, legal theories, unquote, gone wrong. The powerful abusing public platforms and desperation to win at all costs. Carter added, if Dr. Eastman and President Trump's plan had worked, it would have permanently ended the peaceful transition of power, undermining American democracy and the Constitution. Well, thank you very much, Judge Carter. We've been saying it for years, and I'm glad to hear it finally from a federal judge. The uh, 100 or so emails that uh, Eastman had tried to uh, block from review by Congress have now um, uh, been approved for disclosure, though they will not immediately be made available to the public. Instead, they're going to go to the January 6th committee at the U.S. House, assuming Eastman does not successfully appeal today's ruling. And, of course, I have no reason to believe he will not appeal the ruling. That is what these people do. That is how they roll, even when they know they are going to lose. In this case, like so many others, I suspect Eastman will appeal all the way up to the Supreme Court, which brings me uh, which brings us to uh, the other story that we've, we've been uh, covering and will continue to cover on the broadcast Um in more detail once we have talked through the Will Smith saga uh, shortly. But in, in one key piece of news of note on, on that story, which I had thought we were going to be discussing in much more detail today, uh, the House Select Committee investigating the January 6, 2021 insurrection will seek an interview with Virginia Thomas, known as Ginny Thomas, she, of course, is a longtime far-right political activist, and conveniently enough, she is the wife of the Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas. The um, uh, Seeking an interview with her, that is according to a person familiar with the investigation, as reported by Washington Post on Monday, Ginny has drawn scrutiny for her text messages to the White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows, in which she repeatedly pressed Meadows to work aggressively to overturn the 2020 election and keep President Trump in power. That would be known, by the way, as stealing the 2020 election, Washington Post. Don't be afraid. You can use those words. That's what they were doing. Uh, this was a series of urgent exchanges, more than two dozen of them, between the wife of the Supreme Court justice and the president of the United States chief of staff. Urgent exchanges between the two of them, more than two dozen in the weeks, the critical weeks right after the vote, according to copies of the messages that were obtained last week by The Washington Post and CBS News. The messages, 29 in all, reveal an extraordinary pipeline between Thomas and Trump's top aide during a period when Trump and his allies were vowing to go to the Supreme Court in an effort to negate the election results. Yes, Washington Post, I think you meant to write to steal the election. In a string of text exchanges with Meadows, Thompson, uh, uh, Thomas, Ginny Thomas, sought to influence Trump's strategy to overturn the election results to steal the election. And uh, sorry, it just is it that hard? What do you think he was trying to do? He was going to overturn the election and just uh, turn over the results. And that wasn't going to be a theft. 
Anyway, uh, Thomas did things in these uh, messages to uh, Meadows like lobbying for crazy lawyer Sidney Powell to be, quote, the lead and the face of Trump's legal team. A legal team which, by the way, would have argued cases before Ginny Thomas's own husband Clarence at the Supreme Court. The revelations of Thomas's wife's texts have drawn calls from Democrats urging him to recuse himself from cases related to the 2020 election, the Washington Post reports. But and that is quite literally the least the least that should happen here now. Clarence Thomas should recuse himself from anything having to do with the 2020 election, of course, but also from any other in which Trump could be even tangentially involved in any way, shape or form. For example, elections in 2022, where he's been out there rallying and endorsing, uh, you know, all kinds of uh, candidates all over the country. If any of those make their way to the Supreme Court, Clarence Thomas, yes, should recuse himself. And frankly, Clarence Thomas should be impeached. And frankly, he should have been impeached long ago for many more enormous, often undisclosed conflicts of interest. And since the corrupt Republicans in the U.S. Senate would never vote to remove Clarence Thomas from office, Democrats ought to be pushing for other legal and constitutional means for removing him, which I hope to discuss in the days ahead. Uh, One of them has to do with the 14th Amendment, Section 3, which bars uh, the holding of federal office by those who have engaged in insurrection or given aid and comfort to those who have. For example, if you're married to one of the insurrectionists. For now, however, the January 6th committee is reportedly planning on asking Ginny Thomas to come in and speak to them voluntarily. Hopefully under oath, as the committee's lead Republican, Liz Cheney, has reportedly been blocking the committee uh, from seeking a subpoena to the corrupt Ginny Thomas to get her testimony and documents regarding her contacts with top administration officials and and how much she discussed the 2020 election with her husband, who she has previously referred to as her best friend. In one of her QAnon-laced conspiracy text messages to Mark Meadows, Jenny references Biden's win as the, quote, the greatest heist in American history and says she was speaking to her, quote, best friend about it recently. Huh. Her best friend. She doesn't name who that is, but as I say, uh, both uh, Ginny and Clarence have often referred to each other as each other's best friends. So in other words, it's a very, very likely assumption to consider that maybe Ginny Thomas was relating these bonkers conspiracy allegations that come straight out of QAnon. Maybe she was discussing those with her husband, the Supreme Court Justice, who was overseeing and uh, ruling on uh, lawsuits on, on, directly involving those to do same with that. allegations. Of course. And of course, scandal. of course she was. And and Clarence Thomas would then go on to vote in favor of these various failed cases that were brought by Trump and his supporters to uh, to challenge the results of the 2020 election. And Clarence Thomas was the only justice on the court. 
And there's a lot of wingnuts on that court. He was the only one on the court to vote against the National Archives being forced to turn over subpoenaed White House documents to the January 6th committee. Only Clarence Thomas was against it. Documents uh, to turn over, by the way, that for all anybody knew, might have included messages from, yes, Ginny Thomas. And yet the husband, Justice Clarence Thomas, votes against that happening. Not a conflict at all. Right, Clarence? You judicial activist and you wildly corrupt SOB. Uh, is it even conceivable that she had that Ginny had no discussion with her husband about the 2020 election? Really? No, of course it's not. Anyway, we will have to put that matter on hold, as I said, for the days ahead, at least for now. As our friend uh, David Day and longtime progressive journalist, now executive editor of The American Prospect, tweeted late last night in screenplay format. Exterior. Dolby Theater. Night. Will Smith, leaning up against a lamppost, finishes his smoke. A figure enters the frame from behind, holding out an envelope of money. Smith chuckles, takes the envelope. She turns the camera. It's Jenny Thomas. She says, Clarence thanks you for taking the heat off. Yeah. Yeah, Will Smith kind of did do that last night. Uh, fair enough. Uh, but we will return, I promise, to that story. I guarantee it. I can't vouch for the rest of the media who, even before the Oscars on Sunday night, spent a bare fraction of their time on the Sunday news shows uh, reporting on this uh, just outrageous scandal at, our, at the Supreme Court. That, according to longtime media analyst Eric Bowler today, despite, you know, how Thomas's corruption has been undermined. Uh, has been undermining, I should say, the nation for decades with decisions that will reverberate for generations. Uh, instead, on the Sunday news shows, they spent the bulk of their time apparently focusing on, uh, you know, quote unquote, that gaffe by Joe Biden in Poland, suggesting that war criminal Vladimir Putin should not remain in power. Anyway, more on Ginny and Clarence in the days ahead. Let's take a quick break here. We'll come back with your calls on the slap heard round the globe on Sunday night's Oscars, as I'm not sure uh, personally why it was so disturbing to me, given everything else going on in the world. Uh, but it was. And judging from the reaction on Twitter, I wasn't the only one. I will welcome your calls on this topic as well even if you uh, want to tell me that I shouldn't be covering this at all. Got any thoughts? Got any any defense for Will Smith? If you do, I'll, I'll put you right at the top of the line. 818-985-5735 is our phone number. 818-985-KPFK. I'm Brad Friedman, and you are listening to The Bradcast. <laughs> What the public hears on the public airwaves matters. At the Bradcast, we do our best to bring you accurate news and analysis on the issues that actually matter. And we do it all independently, without corporate or political influence. But we can't do it without you, now more than ever. Please help us stay on your public airwaves by going to bradblog.com donate to help keep us going. That's bradblog.com donate. And thanks.
Welcome back. It's the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. I don't think the men in black were defending anything uh, at the Oscars on Sunday night. As previously noted, you know, we're not generally a pop culture show here at the Bradcast, but I have a feeling folks may want to talk about this today. And as I think there is perhaps several larger stories that were told by actually what happened on Sunday night at the Oscars out here in Hollywood. Uh, in any event, you know, for some reason, it really troubled me. I'm not sure why. I have some guesses, as might you. If so, give me a call, 818-985-5735. But it kept me literally up all all night, at least this morning until about 4 a.m., for some reason that I cannot quite pinpoint. As I suspect everyone in the nation, uh, if not the world, most of the world, at least those parts of the world not racked by war at this very moment— uh, as as everyone else, I'm sure, knows, uh, the Academy Awards came to a stunning halt on Sunday night when actor and stand-up comedian Chris Rock made a joke about Jada Pinkett Smith, the wife of Hollywood superstar actor Will Smith, after which Will Smith walked onto the stage and hit Chris Rock in the face. Slapped him, apparently, hard. He is the guy who played Muhammad Ali, by the way, in his biopic, for crying out loud. Uh, The moment was not planned, uh, according to uh, the Oscars, uh, which uh, uh, this is uh, as reported by The Washington Post, along with every other media outlet in the world, I suspect, uh, focused on pop culture or not. Uh, This is as The Post reported on Sunday in utter shock at what the world had just seen and what folks both inside the Dolby Theater here in Hollywood and watching on television uh, were trying to make sense of. Uh, Anyway, Smith, uh, who played Richard Williams, the father of the tennis prodigies Venus and Serena, in the biopic King Richard, uh, he would then go on to appear on stage A few minutes later, to give a lengthy, teary acceptance speech, seeming to try to justify his assault on Chris Rock by couching it as defending his family, even as he apologized to the Academy and the people in the theater. But decidedly and frankly, outrageously, he did not apologize to Chris Rock. The uh, moment just stunned audience members, uh, and it dominated uh, the online conversation uh, from that point forward through the ceremony's end and beyond. Reactions, at least as Washington Post saw them, were split among those supporting Smith's extreme defense of his wife, uh, those condemning his behavior, and the rest not knowing how to respond to it at all. Uh, I would uh, initially put myself in that latter category uh, of people not knowing how to respond. It wasn't until very late at night that I actually saw the the thing happen after having no idea that it was coming. I had recorded the show. I turned off all the alerts on my phone so I didn't get any spoilers or any news at all uh, because, yeah, we were actually working on a completely different show for today. Uh, I didn't want anything to come in via alerts. And uh, when we were done for the night, decided to relax and watch the Oscars late uh, and then we watched it sort of stunned at what happened, uh, as as everyone who watched it live was as well. For whatever reason, I was so troubled that I don't think I went to sleep until very late. I was fascinated by the reactions to all of it, even as I'm not entirely sure why. It's hardly the worst thing going on in the world. But for some reason, this was very troubling. I can't imagine that 
anyone hasn't seen it by now, but ABC had turned off the sound for about 20 seconds uh, during the delay on their live broadcast from the Dolby Theater, which, by the way, is about five minutes walking distance from my apartment. So on Oscar days, we tend to drive away for a few hours just to escape the hours of endless helicopters going around and round. Uh, above Hollywood all day long. Anyway, uh, here was the, if you missed it, or if you didn't hear the parts that were cut out, here was the full exchange as captured, I think, by uh, Australian television, uh, Desiree? I think so, yeah. Uh, They didn't mute the sound, though we have bleeped three words in this version um, for FCC purposes, of course. You know who's got the hardest job tonight? Javier Bardem and his wife are both nominated. Now, if she loses, he can't win. (laughs) He is praying that Will Smith wins. Like, please, Lord. Jada, I love you. G.I. Jane 2, can't wait to see it. All right? That was a nice one. Okay. I'm out here. Uh oh. Richard. <laughs> oh, wow. Wow. Will Smith just smacked the out of me. Keep my wife's name out your mouth. Wow, dude. Yeah. It was a G.I. Jane jump. Keep my wife's name out your no! I'm going to, okay? <laughs> I can, oh, okay. That was a greatest night in the history of television. Okay. <laughs> okay. So we are here to uh, give a documentary out. To give an Oscar out for best documentary. Wow. That was kind of uncomfortable. Now, uh, you know, of course, like everyone, I I suspect I was stunned. I was caught between not knowing if it was real, not knowing, you know, if it was a a bit. ABC, as I said, killed the sound. You didn't hear most of that if you watch the the broadcast. Um, But it was clear in reading Will Smith's lips as he yelled from his front row seat there, this was not a planned bit. And I found it incredibly troubling. I didn't understand any of it at first. I had assumed the joke about G.I. Jane... Two was a reference to uh, maybe Jada Pinkett Smith had been in the first movie, in the first G.I. Jane. And after that, you know, uh, after uh, Chris Rock was talking about power couples there, he talked about Javier Bardem and his wife Penelope Cruz, both up for uh, uh, Best Leading Actor awards. I thought maybe that joke was, you know, that Will Smith was up for Best Actor and his wife with him was, you know, hoping for a role in a sequel to a movie that bombed in the 1990s. That's sort of what I thought at first. But no, apparently the joke was a reference to Jada Pinkett Smith's cropped, uh, almost bald hair, head. And I thought, uh, man, Will Smith cannot take a joke, dude. But then, then, as I read what was going on, I would learn that Jada Pinkett Smith suffered from alopecia, a disease that results in bald patches and seems to hit African-American women particularly hard. Uh, And so, yeah, though, that's not so cool, Chris Rock. Still, a smack in the face for it? 
That's not cool under any circumstances, Will Smith, at least not to me. I guess I, I guess I understand it, sort of. But Desi Doyen, I do not, by any stretch of the imagination, <laughs> condone it. Well, no. And I condemn it, in fact, as did the Academy, which issued a statement shortly after the show, uh, noting that they condemn uh, violence uh, in any form. And so do I. Well, yes. And I, and I think anybody pretty much would condemn what Smith did. I, I know some people were like, you know, a man standing up for his wife, I can understand that. But of course, violence is never the answer in any way, shape or form, especially to, you know, a verbal joke. A bad joke doesn't matter. It's still not the right answer. Um, I saw actually some surprising reactions from people who were condemning the audience for not stopping the show, I guess, and for the Academy letting uh, Smith sit back down again and accept an award. And I thought, you know what? I can understand their concerns. However, the performer's first directive is the show must go on. (laughs) And Chris Rock did a masterful recovery. But the people in the audience are all performers. And I will say... Nobody knew what was going on. Nobody knew if it was a bit. Yes, the show must go on, but it was unclear what the hell was going on. It became more clear when uh, Will Smith yelled out those expletives. But still, what do you do? It's a live show on live television around not just the country, but around the world. You know, I, yeah, and, uh, and you know, and the people that were in the audience and the academy, there were there were some really historic people who won after that. And yes, what Will Smith did took away from the joy and the historic of nature of their wins. But to have stopped the show or to have done anything else would have prevented those people from getting their historic wins. Uh, sure, sure enough, thirty minutes later, um, you know, because I was worried after this happened, I thought, oh my god, this guy is still in the running for best actor, and he could still win it, and then. What happens? Sure enough, he won. And did he use the speech to apologize to Chris Rock? No. He seemed to try and use it to justify his behavior. He apologized to the Academy and the people in the theater, but not to Chris Rock when he could have done so and successfully put at least much of this issue behind all of us. So why did this feel just so traumatizing? Uh, in, In one sense, I think it's because, at least up to now, both Will Smith and Chris Rock were considered to be you know, friendly, well-liked actors, Americans, love them. They're very uh, well-disciplined in their brand and how they present themselves to the world. So it, it kind of felt like, you know, people that we like uh, kind of felt like, you know, dad just went and punched out mom mm. or something. Yeah. Um, uh, Jaden Smith, Will, Will Smith and uh, Jada Pinkett Smith's son – who's also an actor, I think he's 23 or so now, Uh, he tweeted, and that's how we do it right after this happened. That's how we do what, Jaden? Pass on toxic masculinity from generation to generation? Uh, Michael A. Cohn, a Boston Globe columnist uh, who is not Donald Trump's former lawyer, uh, tweeted, just want to point out that Will Smith saying during his acceptance speech later, uh, quote, love will make you do crazy things after punching a man on live television is pretty much straight out of the domestic abuser handbook, Cohn writes. Our friend Justice Putnam, who runs uh, our uh, Netroots radio streaming affiliate, he tweeted out, A verbal assault about a woman's illness is as bad as a punch, and a punch is worse. Is that clear? 
Our phone number is 818-985-5735. I see a lot of folks want to get in. And Des, you said, while nobody would uh, defend what Will Smith did, looks like we have at least one caller who would like to. <laughs> okay. Uh, Brian in Ventura. Hey, Brian, welcome to the broadcast. Oh, Brian. Do I have the wrong? Am I going to have this problem again? There we go. Brian, are you there? We can't. Nope. Can't hear Brian. All right, Des. Check. Make sure that's not in talent mode versus producer mode. Um, we always, you know, it's the broadcast. So, yes, we always have problems on the phones. Uh, eight, well, I'd give you the number, but the phones are full. So, Des, you figure it out and we'll get to it. Um, so, you know, one of the reasons why I think I care and I'm not sure, uh, again, for certain, but I think this could be one reason. Uh, Kristen Leah, who is just a commenter on Twitter. By the way, you can tweet me. That works. I am the Brad blog on Twitter. Uh, Kristen Leah, a commenter on Twitter, said some somebody physically assaulted a presenter on stage for a tasteless joke and, and is allowed to go back to his seat for the rest of the show because he might be winning an Oscar later. She says this continues to speak to the lack of accountability and consequences in our country right now. Steve Schmidt, the uh, former, uh, do I have do I have it wrong? We don't know. We don't know. We got a bank full of calls and we can't take any of them. If you're on the line, hang in there. Desi is trying to work it out. We all wish her luck. Um, uh, so uh, she says, uh, continues to speak to the lack of accountability and consequences in our country right now. Uh, add to that Steve Schmidt, the uh, former uh, campaign manager for uh, John, um, uh, John McCain back in 2008. He said uh, he tweeted and he's got away with words. He says the Oscars have demonstrated the power of group psychology. The room is a hermetically sealed bubble where all mores can be eradicated in a second. Do you want to understand how Trump happened, he writes? Watch the Oscars and the crowd reaction. The pull to belong is very powerful, he writes. The pull to conform to what is happening around you is a powerful tide. Applause for assault in a tuxedo in California is the same as applause for assault while wearing a red hat in Alabama. That was a crime, writes Schmidt. There was no virtue attached to it, none whatsoever. Uh, and finally, uh, before we try these phones again, Asha Rangappa, uh, a former FBI special agent and editor at Just Security website, said, so did like anyone walk out after that happened? Or are we getting an independent psychological case study on how Trump got normalized? Interesting. Have we lost Brian? Please call back Brian. Um, Let me see if the phones are working. Otherwise, we'll take a break and we will try to get them fixed. Oh, Gigi in Pasadena. Are you there, Gigi? Hi, Brad. Can you hear me? I can hear you, Gigi. Thank you. And uh, and Brian, again, give us a call back because I, I know you wanted to uh, make a case for Will Smith, and I would like to hear that case. I really would. So, Gigi, wh- what do you think about what went on at the uh, Oscars on Sunday night? Oh well, you know, like you just just complete shock. Um, but I, interestingly enough, Will was on last year at some point in time with his new biography, 
and he tells his whole backstory of just being in a very dom uh, domestic violence, and he tells of the time he said he will take to the grave with him where his father hit his mom so hard that mm. she went unconscious, mm. and blood was just spewing, and he was like, Eight, nine, ten, eleven. I'm not really sure, yeah. but it was of an age where he 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 tear, he cries every time he said, talks about it. Yeah. He sh he thinks he should have done something, and he didn't. Mm. He says he will never ever get over it. And I'm just wondering, Brad, you know, um, because you know we don't really know what Jada has. We know that she's beginning to at the beginnings of something. We know alopecia is it 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 is, is there. Mm -hmm. We don't know what else she could be dealing with. Look, and we don't, um, Gigi. I, we don't even know. By the way, I I should know. We don't even know that Chris Rock knew that she had this condition. I mean, I think it was fairly well known, but I didn't know about it. You know, I don't follow everything I that goes on in Hollywood. I didn't know anything about it. So, you I, know. I, I, I didn't know anything either yep. until they had said, you know, go, going back after this happened, that yep. she had come out with it. In fact, her daughter, uh, uh, Willow, had encouraged her, you yep. know, to come out, not to wear wigs mm -hmm. or whatever. Right. And so anyway, but my quick point is yep. that I, I think we've got a lot of people walking around traumatized. I wasn't up till four in the morning with this, but all of those young kids that go into the schools and literally wipe out, mm -hmm. there is, and they come from these very abusive backgrounds. I think that you've got a lot of trauma. And I, I'll tell you what I was up to about one of 30 when those, um, I, 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 I call them the three stooges, the Senate crews and, and Sessions, mm -hmm. the other one, to me, did the same thing um, uh, 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 to, uh, you know, the Senate here. Katanji Brown-Jackson attacking her yes, on child yes, pornography yes, charges. Yes, yeah, yes, also. It just felt the same. It's yeah. The feelings of all three of these things are the same. Something's yep. wrong. We are the uh, walking wounded. And, um, yeah, that's, that, that, and it's no excuse because what Chris did was cruel, Figuratively, what Will did was cruel, literally, and then two cruels don't ever, ever make anything right. Love thank you guys. I'm going to listen off the All air. right. Thank you, Gigi. I appreciate that. Uh, love you back. Appreciate the call. Uh, Brian, we do have Brian back. Let me do that before I take our break here. Uh, thank you for getting back to us, uh, Brian. Hey, Brian. Welcome to the broadcast from Ventura. Sorry about that. Are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Thanks, Brad. Uh, okay, good. What's up, man? Here's my two cents. First of all, I think it's one. I think it's fake because the the uh, yeah they have gone down the ratings for year after year after year. They had to get something to get the clicks on, and everybody's clicking on it. They, they I think that's first of all how it was. You think first it's fake? All, okay. It, yeah, I think it was fake. I think it was staged. If it, even and if it was not, I have no problem with what he did because I guess some of those. Uh, oh, also, they say they don't accept violence in any form. Oh, yeah, well, except for their movies that they give awards to. Okay, we'll go there. And then, <laughs> third of all, I personally think you're a beta male, because I am one of those uh, mass toxic masculinity males. And if someone said something to my wife, I'm going to stand up and knock them out. Yeah. Well, that makes that. Well, I, I, I mean, I admit, Brian. Yeah, I admit that makes you very. Are you, are you married, Brad? That makes you very, you Brian. That makes you very manly. I just want to say uh, your willingness to your willingness to knock someone out uh, if they make a comment, your willingness to assault someone because they say something that is not nice about your wife. Really? Absolutely. OK. Absolutely. Thanks, Brian. And by the way, by the way, I'm sorry your wife has to live with you, little beta boy. 
Okay, there you go. Uh, 818-985-5735. Somebody's a little sensitive, I guess? I, I guess. Uh, uh, that I, Brian, very persuasive argument. What can I tell you? 818-985-KPFK. Uh, should we? Oh, man, so many people I want to get to. Uh, let's take a very quick break, and we will come back to as many of you as we can. Keep your comments short if you can so we can get to as many as we can. Uh, Gary, you ready? I'm jumping out. I'm Brad Friedman, and you are listening to The Bradcast. <laughs> Hey, this is Desi. The Bradcast and the Green News Report survive thanks to you and your support. Please drop by bradblog.com slash donate today to help us stay independent every day over your public airwaves. That's bradblog.com slash donate. And thanks. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Beta boy Brad Friedman from bradblog.com taking your calls on what happened at the Academy Awards on Sunday night, 818-985-KPFK. Let me go to uh, Christopher in L.A. Hey, Christopher, welcome to the Bradcast. And by the way, everyone, if you can keep your comments as short and sweet as possible, we'll get to as many people as we can. Hey, Christopher, welcome to the Bradcast. Yeah, Brad. And turn down your radio, please. Go ahead. Aren't you glad you waited for Brian to uh, call back? Actually, um, I am. I am because I'm. I'm glad to know the sort of people that would stand behind what Will Smith did in assaulting another human being on live TV. So, yeah. Okay, I'm with you. I'm with you, but I have a little twist, a okay. little wrinkle. Okay. My daughter had alopecia in in high school, mm-hmm. and her hair slowly started falling out. And uh, almost to the point of baldness, not mm-hmm. quite, but but it's a it's a traumatic condition, mm-hmm. and I, I might even be a sexist to say that, especially for women, it's a traumatic condition. Yeah, uh, and it was traumatic for her, and uh, I can't tell you how how many times she came home crying and just it it depressed her and affected her whole life. So it's not a it's not a minor thing. It's yeah. actually a major problem and disease. I, I hear you, Christopher. I hear you, Christopher. Let me respond to just that part real, really quick. I hear you. Sure. I don't disagree. Uh, I mentioned earlier, I have no idea if Chris Rock even knew that at all when he made his joke. Uh, but even if he did, even if Chris Rock decided to be uh, unspeakably cruel knowing about that and then making that joke anyway, uh, imagine the difference had Will Smith walked up on stage and instead of slapping Chris Rock, had explained that his wife has alopecia and that, dude, your joke wasn't funny at all and you owe my wife and me an apology, and then he walked off. Imagine the case that he would have made uh, for himself, for his wife, for people who have concerns about alopecia and so forth. Uh, That's not the way he did it, Christopher. You know what? And I I totally agree with you. And I'm not defending uh, violence against any other person. But I, I can imagine that when you lose control of your emotions, and remember, this is not just any actor. Uh, you know, it's not lost on me that he was front and center with his wife. Why? Because he's one of the heavyweights mm-hmm. in Hollywood. You bet. And I think that he's getting more of a pass precisely because, because of that. Yep. One other quick comment. Yep. So 
so that we don't. And, and, and let me just let me just say, uh, by the way, yeah, he he is getting a bit of a pass because he is such a heavyweight. But I would also add, uh, would he have gotten that pass if you know uh, uh, one of the other uh, hosts? What was her name? Um, uh, Amy Schumer. If she had made that joke, would he have then gone up and slapped her? Would would he have gone up if it had been a, even a white man who made that joke? Would Will Smith have gone up and slapped him? Good, good, good point. Good and question. if he had, and if he had, would he have been allowed to stick around for the rest of the show? Anyway, quickly, your last point, Christopher. Yeah, my last point is that a federal judge just ruled that it's more likely than not that that uh, ex President Trump committed uh, criminal felony. Yep. By obstructing Congress. Yep. And therefore, he ordered John Eastman, Trump's I, lackey lawyer, to turn over 100 emails uh, relative to January th- 6th. Thank very you. Th- it is very important. Try to keep up, Christopher. We covered that in the first half of the show. But uh, that's all right. I appreciate it. I'm glad to repeat it again. Uh, thank you, Christopher. Please give our best to your daughter. 818-985-KPFK. Uh, let me go to Patsy in Montebello. Hey, Patsy, welcome to the broadcast. Hi there, Brad. Um, you know, first of all, I want to say that I'm a huge Oscar fan, and we we look at the Academy Awards all the time. Mm-hmm. And not only was I disappointed because he really, uh, I mean, he put a damper on the entire, the rest of the Academy Awards. Yep. But I feel like a, a lot of people feel like, okay, maybe that wasn't a cool joke, Um but the fact is that I feel like Will Smith felt like he had no other alternative other than to go up and to literally violate somebody in front of millions of people worldwide. I thought, you know, what are they going to think of Americans? What they what he did was he put a damper on the entire uh, film industry. He, he did, Patsy, but to <laughs> suggest that he had no choice but to do that, I think, is giving yeah. him a pass. He did have a choice. He had an easy choice to not do that. Exactly. That's what I'm saying, yeah. that he felt he had no other alternative. That's what I'm thinking, that is that what was running through his mind, that well, he had no other choice than to go up? I thought, no, 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 no. He had many choices. Yeah. He could have told, he could have told, Will, uh, he could have told Chris Roth after. Uh, behind, you know, behind the scenes. Of course. That I don't like what you did. You hurt my... Uh, my. Uh, and he could have told him right then and there, by the way. He could have... Had he gone up and made that statement that Chris Rock is a jerk for saying what he said, if he went uh, off, uh, you know, after the show and said any damn thing he wanted using any expletives he wanted, no matter, uh, you know, what he had to say about Chris Rock... I would have been fine with that. I may or may not have agreed with him based on what he said. But as soon as you go to violence, you lose. You lose. I also, yeah. I also want to add something. I'm a teacher, and teachers are constantly, constantly trying to let kids know that bullying is not acceptable. Mm-hmm. And that we have an anti-bully program in our entire schools. And yep. there are many school districts that have anti-bully. We have shirts. And then we have such a huge figure like Will Smith go up there and unravel, undo everything that we're trying so hard to do. And then to hear his son put on Twitter what he said. Yep. It's, 
I'm baffled by the Thank you. I hear you, Patsy, and I don't mean to cut you short. I just want to see if I can fit in a few more. I do hear you. Uh, Let me go to uh, Suzanne very quickly. Everyone, give me your best 15 seconds. Sorry to rush you through, but I'd like to get to as many as I can. Suzanne in West Hollywood, welcome to the broadcast. Hi, Brad. How are you? Oh, I'm Um, fine. First of all, (laughs) I wanted to say this may help you. I take 20 milligrams of melatonin every night. Knocks me out. Knock to knock you out. Well, okay. Anyway, Suzanne, I'm sorry to rush you. Give me your quick thought on uh, on what happened. <laughs> well, um, frankly, I heard it by you. Uh-huh. Um, I think that basically I grew up in the industry, and I think that during these times of everything going on, we put so much on actors and musicians that when they fall from grace, it really, really hurts. Mm. And, and so I think that's, part of it. Um, I also think that people are feeling really horrible about it because this isn't just Will Smith. This happens like more and more in our society all the time. Yeah. So when a celebrity does it, it just feels so much worse. Yeah. You know, when, uh, as uh, somebody famous once said, if you're a celebrity, they let you do it. Thanks, Suzanne. I appreciate that call. One more, I think, uh, or, well, we'll see how many. Uh, Randy in East L.A., very quickly, 15 seconds, Randy. Go. You're on the broadcast. Okay, okay I'm going to try to keep it brief. Okay, first of all, I'm not that into Will Smith anyway. I like Samuel Jackson, and he shouldn't have done it. And I'm, and that's not the first time Chris Rock has been put down for his comedy. You know, I'm a leftist, but we're getting too politically correct. It's a joke. He's a comedian. Yep. You know what I mean? Yep, and, I do. Um, you know, he got put down. He got put down by a Sean Penn won Academy Awards because he was joking about. Um, hey, when you make when you make uh, twenty million bucks, uh, twenty million bucks a film or more, uh, I think you can take a few jokes. Sorry, Randy, I got to get out, brother. Thanks, man. Uh, do I have time? I do not. Do I have time for Randy? Uh, for Morris? Go, Mo. Oh, Mo. Ah, so close. All right. Well, we'll figure it out next time. Thanks. I do have to get out. My thanks to our producer, Desi Doyen, uh, to my board operator today, Gary Baca, and to all of you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. If you missed any portion of today's program, download it for free anytime at bradblog.com. Thanks to everyone who called in. Sorry I couldn't get to everyone. You can drop me email. I am bradcast at bradblog.com. On the Facebooks and the Twitters, I am simply the Brad Blog. We'll see you there. Until we see you right here next time, hopefully tomorrow, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world.